In your Bibles this morning to 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 17 and 18. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, 17 and 18. And if you'd stand with me for the reading of God's Word, that's the last time I'll ask you to stand. If you're able, if you're not able, you, you can stay seated there. Part two in an unplanned series on how should we then live. 2 Corinthians six seventeen and 18. This is what the Lord says to his church. Come out from among them and be separate, says the Lord. And let no unclean thing come near you. Thing. Someone, some thing, some thought, some book, some song. Some idea, some teaching, no unclean thing. And I'll take you for myself. And I'll be a father to you. And you will be my sons and daughters, says the Lord, the ruler over all. You may be seated in the Lord's presence. And as my practice, uh, I want to pray for myself and I would ask you to do the same for me. That I would pray according to his word and with an anointing, because without which, without the anointing, uh, the letter killeth, but it's the Spirit that giveth life. So, Father, I just present myself to you, not just as your son, which I'm so grateful today, but as your servant. And I don't trust in any preparation or any abilities that I have, but I pray for the courage and the capacity, Lord, to preach your truth in love, but with great clarity and with confidence, knowing that it's the truth that sets men free. And I thank you for this opportunity that's mine, the least likely and the least worthy, but called to preach the goodness of your word. And I just bless you for that honor. In Jesus' name, amen. The church is seemingly in great perplexity, perplexity today in how we should live the media, uh, and by the way, you understand that all the media is controlled by just a select group of people, and that's what it's used for. If you were to buy airtime, you would use it to advertise your business, your agenda. They use it for their agenda to, to persuade and to steer and to create thoughts. And the media will tell you that there's only two types of people. There's the people that live without God and the toothless Christian hanging onto a wooden sign screaming, God hates you on this side. And now that's not all there is. There's two types of people in the world, forgiven and unforgiven. Now as the forgiven, forgiven people never view themselves better than anyone else. Forgiven people are never arrogant because they consider themselves Forgiven people are not spiteful and they're not mean-spirited, but they are confident in what is true and what is error. And the Bible tells us to not only be unashamed of God, but His words. So how can I live separate in a world where we're all intertwined? We're separate in our actions. We're separate in our motives. We're separate in what brings us joy and what we allow. The goal of the Christian is not to change an unbeliever's behavior. No. Our problem is the mixed signals that the church is giving. That there's no side. There's no... Universal freedom, there's no universal code. And it's to that we stand, and it's to that I'm preaching today. My problem was not that I was drunk four or five nights a week for seven years, and that I slept around ashamedly, uh, and I lived a life of dishonesty. My problem was that my spirit, I was dead in my trespasses and sin, and that was the natural fruit of a life separated from God. That, that was my problem. But on this side, in this last day, through media and false prophets, false teachers, by your fruits you will know them. They speak like a lamb, but they're ravenous wolves. They eat the souls of men. They have muddied the water 
so that the world can't draw a distinction between itself and the people of God. Not a better than, a different than. So by coming out being separate, that does not mean I climb up higher than you. It means I step away from. I once was that, but now I'm not. So how are we to live? How loud are we to be? How vocal are we to be? How, how should we stand? I told you last week, we are to live separate because that's what strangers and aliens do. We are strangers here, aliens, the Bible says. We're not supposed to fit in. We can partake. You know, I, I can still go to Outback and Bonefish Grill. I just don't belly up to the bar. You know, I can still go out and eat cheese fries and, you know, just a moment of silence for cheese fries, please. Just, and not just anybody's outback. Everybody else's imitation. We should live separate because God commands it. God expects it. We should live separate because that's what's necessary to draw a distinction. My living separate is the evidence of a separate kingdom with a, with a separate king, and I'm under his rulership. We should live separate because God not only judges individually, he judges groups. All through the Old Testament, you'll find that there was sin in certain camps and God judged the whole group for one person's sin. Now, to make it lighthearted, some of y'all ain't safe to be around. Got to wear a lightning rod. Sometimes I'm not safe to be around. That's why the Christian walk is a fluid it's not just uh, manila folder A, manila folder B. If you oppose him, I can't walk with you. I am not your judge. I am you. Except that I've chosen to denounce my old life, my old ways, and to separate. I told my friends when I first uh, received grace and I surrendered my life to Jesus Christ. They go, oh, now, now you're just holy John, holy roller. You're just Jesus, man. I said, I'm not judging you. I'm judging me. I'm not strong enough to live in this vortex of all the sin that we did. You're a lot stronger in your ways than I am in my newfound faith. So I separate myself. So when they see us different, it's not a better than. It's a grace that's upon our life. Being associated with people who misrepresent God, who misquote God, who misunderstand God. He's, oh, well, then you're right. You'll hear people say, well, you're just right. You're just, just Jesus. No, but I can read. I know what truth is. It's not just what people say. It's the fruit that follows their life. By their fruit, you will know them. The devil believes in Jesus. He ain't saved, but he believes that Jesus is the Son of God. And there's a story in the book of Acts, real quick. It's kind of humorous to me, but if you did this today, oh my goodness, your Facebook would blow up and everybody, what a Pharisee you are and who do you think you are, but it's in the Bible. The Bible will mess you up. Do you know that? The Bible will get self-righteous people and just, wah, 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 and it'll get carnal people who live like hell and, wah, 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 and it just... It lays everything open. So Paul is going through these different towns and he's preaching. Where is it? Acts chapter 16, if you want to look it up later. And this woman who is a soothsayer, a medium, medium, talking to dead people and getting information. And she made her owners a lot of money. So if they owned her, she was probably a prostitute as well. More than likely, if you own someone. Not she employed, but they owned her. So... She's following behind Paul in the cities, and she's saying, listen to these men of God. They show unto you the way of salvation. What was wrong with that? Sounded pretty accurate, pretty biblical, since God inspired Paul to write most of the New Testament, and Jesus appeared to him personally, explaining salvation. So here's this woman, listen to them. These are men of God. They show unto you the, the way of salvation. And, and Paul turned on his heels and cast the devil out of her. 
I don't know what she did wrong. She was demon-possessed. I just, I just don't believe in calling out or drawing attention to. He judged her. Yes. Yes. He had the gift of discernment, and he knew the origin of a thing. Discernment knows you can trace it back to the origin. The statement was correct, but the person making the statement made it deception, and I can prove it to you. Why? And Paul cast the devil out of her, and the Bible said it made the owners very mad because she couldn't do her job no more, and it cost them a lot of money. Read it, Acts chapter 16. It's a pretty amazing story. So uh, why would Paul do that? Because when Paul left town, he did not want them associating him and the truth with her so that she could mislead them back into error. He separated himself. Everybody that says Jesus aren't Christians. Now, I, I, I'm, not, I'm not the judge, but I'm going to look and inspect. And if I'm wrong, God will judge me. So see, it's not being a better than. But if, but if you live like hell and esteem the things of hell in this world and blaspheme and, and, and contradict the scripture and then name his name, well, you know, that's like putting lipstick on a pig. It don't, you know. Y'all are just staring at me. It's either really, really good or, Lord, I hope you don't visit where I live. Well, so we're getting, here's some false arguments. Sometimes we just need to know how to discuss. Now, by the way, discussion rarely wins. How many of y'all been married longer than two weeks? Oh, okay, I'm just going to give you, just, just throw one out there for free. Just, just free. How many of you, okay, I'm going to pick on the men this time. Women, how many times have you presented, and by the way, if you present an edited argument, it'll help a lot if you can take out a lot of the backstory and, the, and the just edit it down. Nobody laughed, and that was real funny. Uh, <laughs> how many times have you presented something to your husband in the form of an argument, and about two or three sentences later, he goes, you know, you were right. You've been right since our wedding day. I see it clearly now. You go, the, the slow guy goes, that ain't, that ain't never happened. That, that didn't happen. Well, it ain't happened the other way either. And we don't argue with the world to win the argument. We proclaim and stand with truth to honor God. I'm not, I'm not better. I'm not trying to. I'm not the Savior. I'm not trying to rescue. But if there is no voice then how can they hear? If there is no light, how can they see? If there is no salt, where's the preservation? We have to be separate from. I, I, I feel burdened for you. And I'm not bragging. It's my job. It's no different than you getting up at 4.30 in the morning, going to take care of your kids, working the two jobs. This is my job. This is my calling. And that's why I'll put online and think, don't listen to this person. Don't listen to this person. Well, that makes me angry. Be mad. I don't, that, that's not important to me because error leads to destruction. It leads to, to God's judgment, especially those. God has more patience with the prostitute than he does the Christian that flip-flops left and right and left and right and changes the Scripture. Changes the Scripture. Here's some ways... You can at least answer for your faith contextually, textually. And by the way, listen, always speak the truth in love. Speak the truth in love. The world will tell you, well, if you speak the truth, that's not love. Love wins. No, love doesn't win. Truth wins. Truth wins. But truth not spoken in love is never heard. It's never heard. Okay. One false argument today. Jesus didn't judge. This is what the Bible says in John 8, 15 and 16. You judge after the flesh. I judge no man. And don't you hate it? Don't you hate it when people that don't even believe in God try to quote Scripture? I mean, everything in their life contradicts it, but they use it against you as a Christian. But we don't know the difference, you know, because we're dumb as a plate. Um, Jesus said, see, I judge no man. 
And yet if I judge, my judgment is true, for I am not alone, but I and the Father hath sent me. What did he tell the woman taken in adultery? Neither do I condemn you, sentence you, go and sin no more. Exactly right. John 5, for the Father judgeth no man, but he's committed all judgment to the Son, and hath given him authority to execute judgment also, because he is the Son of Man. Don't confuse Jesus coming at his first coming as the lamb with his second coming as the lion. When in the first time he came, he did not judge. He gave his life a ransom for many. Jesus didn't judge because he came to die. But judgment has been given unto the Son. And all men will be judged by Jesus Christ the Lord. And every knee will bow, believer and unbeliever. And every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God. And we shall give an account for the deeds done in our body. That's why it's imperative for us as believers to know what sin is so we can repent of it. If there is no, well, sin is just a, whatever, it's a derogatory term. It's, it's kind of not really, you can't really grasp it. Yes, you can. I have to know what it is so I can know I violated it, so I can repent from it and confess my sins, and then he is faithful and just to forgive me and cleanse me from all unrighteousness. I don't want to go into heaven with anything uncovered. I want it to be covered. See, I have to uncover it for him to cover it with his grace. That's, that's the thing. Do you, do you see in the world, it's trying to sway the church to where we are soft and or silent on sin, so that the world cannot come into conviction, which brings repentance, which brings forgiveness, which allows grace. That's the issue. It's not to tell someone how bad they are. The world has maneuvered it so if a Christian tries to tell someone their lostness, the sin does not produce the lostness. It's the evidence of the lostness. If I can't tell you where it's wrong, then there's no conviction and you fall into a false religion which you just decide, I'll pick a little from here, I'll pick a little from there and get and stand before the judgment seat of God. And he said, I don't know who you were. But I was in church all my life. I didn't say you didn't go to church. I don't know who you are. Jesus didn't judge. That doesn't mean he's not a judge. What's a good example of that? That big papa bear you see Sweet, gentle over here on the front row. Lance talks soft. Just can't get him riled up. Just grab one of his babies. Just jerk up his little girl and scream at her. See what happens. I thought you were a teddy bear. I am, but that's not all I am. I'm a papa bear too. You see, Christ didn't judge. It wasn't time. And the scripture tells us he's given all judgment unto the son. Number two. All right. I don't know why this is so hard for Christians. Because it's so simple in the word of God. And I want to um, address the issue again of homosexuality. And bring it into alignment with what God says and show where it's different and where it's the same. It is a sin. Just like fornication is a sin. It's a different type, which we'll discuss in a moment. Just like lying is a sin. Homosexuality is not going to send someone to hell any more than lying. It's, in fact, homosexuality and lying is not what sends them to hell. It's the evidence of the lack of grace there. In the heart. So, how do we deal with this issue? I have friends of mine or acquaintances that are not believers, but we still talk. And I share this with them. So, let me just give you a couple of them. They'll say, Well, you just pick and choose out of the Bible. You hear people say, You just pick and choose. Well, if homosexuality is sin, so is eating seafood. Who's heard that? Okay, let's just, and I'm just going to go to one verse, or we could be here six months. You want to be here six months, or go to one verse? And let y'all go home and go eat. Okay, one verse. Listen. Leviticus 11, 9 through 11. Jesus talking to the Jews. 
his natural people, who he gave natural laws to, not spiritual laws only, natural laws to, to show a natural separation. To the church, he writes the laws on our hearts. There is a spiritual separation. You see? Listen to what he told them in Leviticus. You shall eat all... You shall eat of all that are in the waters. Whatsoever hath fins and scales in the seas and in the rivers, them shall you eat. And all that have not fins and scales in the seas and in the rivers, of all that move in the waters and of any any living thing which is in the waters, they shall be an abomination unto you. It says, all that have not fins and scales in the seas and in the rivers, of all that move in the waters and of any living thing which is in the waters, those things shall be an abomination And the word abomination there is a different word, a different Hebrew word than the word abomination dealing with sexual sins. It means it shall be loathed by you. It's an abomination unto you. He didn't say it was an abomination unto him. So a preacher gets up there, well, how can you say that? And you sit and they're eating shrimps and scallops, twisting the word of God, resting into our own destruction. I can prove it to you. When Jesus, when, when Jesus, and everything was made was made by him, and nothing was made without him in the making of it, Jesus Christ. When he made the seas and all that was in it, he said, this is good. So the shellfish were not an abomination unto him. What made the eating of that type of fish wrong? It wasn't the fish in and of itself. It's that God, who is God, decided for this earthly people, I have drew a boundary line and said, you cannot have it. That's what makes sin, sin. He puts Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden, and he says, you can have everything except this tree. You cannot have it. You cannot have it. So for the Jews, their dietary restrictions that God gave were to show a physical difference. The circumcision of their body. Their their honoring of the Sabbath. You could look at them and know that they were the people of Jehovah God because of these external restrictions. So that's an abomination. He said it will be an abomination unto you. Genesis 1-2, I told you this. God created every living creature that moveth out of the waters. And he saw that it was all good. But this dietary restriction is not binding to the church. 1 Timothy 4, 4, and 5. For every creature of God is good and nothing to be refused if it is received with thanksgiving. For it is sanctified by the word of God and prayer. What you have to have to understand things like this is the biblical context and the continuity from the beginning to the end. There are things that are abominations to the Jews because God told them they could not have them. They could not eat them. They could not partake. That was the law to them. And the law came and showed them that they couldn't fulfill it, which brought the need of a Savior into the world, which brought the church in, grafted into the Jewish vine so that we could all be one. So now, dealing with homosexuality. Leviticus 20, verse 13. If a man lie with mankind, or with another man, as he lieth with a woman, both of them have committed which means created by choice, an abomination. An abomination. Unto who? Unto God. It was not a created thing. It was something they created. Now, abomination means detestable to the Lord. Filthy. Comma, not period. So is fornication before marriage, as unclean before the Lord. So is taking God's name in vain, that's unclean. So is lustful thoughts in the privacy of a locked room, that's unclean. We're hung up on the word abomination when the issue for us as believers should be, it is not acceptable unto the Lord. This is why... This is why, and listen, hear me. There should never be, not just church people, but anyone that abuses someone else 
physically or verbally abuses them for their sinful choices. They don't have no right. Who are we to throw a stone? Can't throw a stone, but I can stand with truth. This is why I could never uh, participate in a wedding or another, nor will I, nor will I marry someone. I've had people come to me, you know, and they're living immorally, and one of them's a believer and one's not a believer. I said, nope, I can't do it. What do you mean you can't do it? I said, I can't marry you. Why? Well, the Bible says not to be unequally yoked. I can't marry you and catfish here. He's not a believer. I can't, I can't do that. And you know who becomes a self-righteous, arrogant, bigot, instead of someone that's trying to live my life according to Scripture and to guide them? What if we, okay, so we have a month-long parade for a sinful lifestyle. Well, what about a month-long parade for racism? Why don't we have a month-long uh, parade for fornication or drunkenness? Or here's a Pentecostal one, gluttony. Yeah, why don't we have a month-long parade, have a bunch of obese people falling out, can't walk up the street. Uh, yeah, it's just, it's just, back up, John, where, was, where are we at? Let me, tell you how, let me tell you how we can be Pharisees. We can mock the parade on television, but we have our parades in our own home and at work. We live lives of lies and untruthfulness, unkindness and bigotry and racism. And in our mouth, the law of kindness is not found and we're sharp and cruel and rude. Yes, that's ridiculous to have a parade in the street over sin. But it's just as ridiculous to have them in your home and at work. And that's to the church. It's sin because God said it's sin. And when I look at it, do I think it's sin? Yes. Do I think it's perversion? Yes. But it, do I match up sin for sin with anything? Yes. Dear God, don't judge me according to my sins. But I can't look the other way. While someone is going headlong into destruction and go to their wedding, like if I had a sister that was going to marry an unbeliever and do the wedding and I'm so happy for you because you're out of the will of God and act like I love them or God. I can't do that. And I've got people that are very close to me that I love and I can't go on their Facebook page and say, so glad that this young lady and now married another woman. And I'm so glad for you and your wife. And the Christians are posting that. What I do is go to her page on se in secret and say, you know how much I love you. And I am not your judge, but I pray for you. And I remember the, the, the love of God that burned in your heart. And I want you to know that I am not sitting in judgment, but I believe in you and have not forgotten who you are. You know, they're right back. I know you love me. Thank you. How, how can we, 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 many of us are cowards. We would rather someone like us and die in their sins than be rejected in this life or to be thought less of. I am not your judge. I'm not qualified to be. But God's word judges us. So this person is with someone of the same sex, and I'm with someone that's not my wife. Guilty, guilty. That's the stance we should take. Was that clear? Okay. Balanced. And stop with the, any hate you see or screaming at someone. I can, I'm angry, and I will tell you this. I am angry at the spirit behind this in the, in the media that is pushing it down the throat of our children. Now, I, I, now, mad. In the same way, if you pushed a false gospel down the throat of my child. In the same way, if you teach paganism to my child. Or you teach disrespect to my child. Same thing. Angry. Something I go to jail over. Call the police. Come get, here's where I'm at. Save y'all time and taxpayer money. Here's where I'm at. 
Romans 1. For this reason, not just homosexuality, but all types of sins. Read it for yourself. A whole list of sins. Listen, a whole list of sins. Not just one. Don't pick one out and beat people to death with it. For this reason, God gives them over and abandons them to vile affections and the degrading passions. For women exchange their natural function for an unnatural and abnormal one. And the men also turn from natural relations with women, set ablaze and consumed with lust for one another, men committing shameful acts with men and suffering within their own bodies and personalities the inevitable consequences and penalty of their wrongdoing and going astray, which was their fitting retribution. And so since they did not see fit to acknowledge God or approve of Him or consider Him Worth knowing, God gave them over to a base and condemned mind to do things not proper or decent, but loathsome, until they were filled with every kind of unrighteousness and iniquity. Now, having said that, let's go to the white middle class man who's 45 years old. He doesn't drink, smoke, chew. He goes to country club. He's on the deacon board. He teaches Sunday school, and he loves money, loves it. He's an idolater. He works seven days a week, so, so it's never enough, never enough, never enough. You don't think God will turn him over? Because he would not put God in his mind, and he worshiped and served things more than the Lord. See, this one worships and serves a lustful pleasure, an expression, a sexual expression. It's like, I don't care what God says. This man looks noble and looks righteous, and Jesus pronounces over him, it's, I, it's easier for a camel to get through the eye of a needle than a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. It's not meaning you can't be rich, but if you long to be rich, that's why I hate the prosperity gospel, because it teaches people to long to be wealthy Instead of, if God gives you wealth, enjoy it and use it for the glory of God. But both are turned over. The last thing you want in your life is to be turned over to yourself. Now, we've talked about the sexual sin. We've talked about the love of money. Let me tell you the one that Jesus hates the worst. My opinion, based, now it's not a scripture that says, I hate this the worst. But if you look at Jesus, who did not judge the prostitute, the drunkard, the woman taken in adultery, the woman that had the demons that washed his feet, you know, with, 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 with her hair. But he saw someone in God's temple selling doves and pigeons for sacrifice. Like, you know, like if Macon, if we hear you're going to have an inch of snow and everybody goes and empties out Publix, you know, this is just, we're going to have an inch. You could have a flurry and there's no water. And the gas station all of a sudden goes from $3 a gallon to $9 a gallon. Okay. Or in an emergency. That's what they did in the temple. To save you from carrying that pigeon all that way. Instead of spending a dollar back home, I'll sell you one for 11 when you get here. They misrepresented. No, they... They misrepresented who God was. They took advantage of God's people. And they turned a holy thing into a secular, monetary, man-driven business. And Jesus wrapped himself a whip out of braids of leather. Just wait, I'll be with you in just a minute. Tied them together across their back, across their neck, and drove them out of the temple. Fulfilling the scripture, the zeal of thine house has eaten me up. He said, you have made my father's house a den of thieves. This is to be a house of prayer where man meets with God and other men don't get in the way. That's why you can't have a celebrity pastor. You can't have a celebrity minister. You can't have it about we're building a Christ chapel kingdom and it's all about it. Can't, you can't have anything in there designed to elevate the man. It's to bring glory and honor to the God of the house. And self-righteous people, carnal Christians, who come to God's house to market and to make contacts and to do business deals in the four, you know, that kind of thing where that's the goal. And, and, and those that are self-righteous, 
One guy comes into the church and he's beating his chest. And he said, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Christians today would say, well, you're not that bad. Whoa, 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 whoa. He said, no, I really am. He's finding forgiveness. But another man walked in. Listen, some of us may be struggling with this today. Hear your pastor. Lord, I thank you that I'm not as other men are. That's the scariest thing. That's the scariest place you can ever be. But for the grace of God, you're worse than that person. I am capable of any sin. My history proves it before Jesus and after Jesus. And I thank him publicly for grace this side of the cross. Because if it were not for that grace, I would be vaporized and in hell today. Self-righteousness. I'm not better than but I have to proclaim what is truth. I am not perfect, but the, the word of the Lord is perfect. And so the truth is not something you just dump on someone and crush them, but it does bring them to a point where I, I'm not living this way. I know we need a savior. We've fallen short of the glory of God. All right, a couple of quick ones. That was heavy. We'll go lighthearted. Jesus turned water into wine. Come on. Oh, and the people you ain't heard from since the Korean War. Get on Facebook. You put something on Facebook. I'll put something about, you know, no drunkard sharing into the kingdom of heaven. Somebody I ain't talked to since high school comes on this long. You know, just all oh, just, just, just word salad. Just mm, an army of words marching, searching for an idea. Jesus turned water into wine. Context, continuity, go back to the beginning. God made all things, and all things were good. He didn't make fermented grapes on the vine. It's just common sense. Pluck one. Woo, that's a good one. No, no. He told us not to even look at it. In his word in the Old Testament, don't even look at it when it's red in the glass. I had one Christian tell me, I just drink with my eyes closed. <laughs> Jesus turned water into wine. He did not make Mad Dog 2020 at the, at the wedding. Do you follow me? You will never convince me that the Son of God would make something that he said in his word in the Old Testament that fools partake of. That's what he said. So then people go, well, does that mean I'm going to go to hell? No, no, that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying that Jesus did not turn water into Boone's Farm Tickle Pink Wine. He did not. I'm sorry. He did not because it would contradict the Jesus of the Old Testament. They said most people serve the best wine at first. And then when men are drunk, they serve the lesser, the water... But you've served the best wine until now. How could it have been the best wine? Because it was not under the curse. He created it. It was pure. It was like it was in the Garden of Eden. Sin had not touched it. It came from his hand. And they said, my Lord, the best wine. Not what we had at the last wedding. The best wine till now. We focus on the, when you look at, the, when you read the word of God, looking for loopholes, don't you see the condition of your heart? Me too. The question for the believer, and this is not legalism. It's not what's wrong with it. It's what's right with it. Do I think that someone that has a glass of wine with their wife once a year goes, hell, absolutely not. Does your pastor drink it? Absolutely not. Why? Because... I don't believe it honors the Lord. Now, that's my conviction. But he told me not to look at it, so I got a good idea. He doesn't want me partaking. And he said, a fool tarries at it. And just looking at the destruction in the lives of other people, if my meat would cause somebody to stumble, he said, I just won't eat meat. I had this talk with a young guy one time. And... He argue, won't argue with me, of course, because, and you know, when people want to argue with you about something, it means because they're doing it. 
Do you ever argue with your husband or wife about something you don't want or ain't doing? It's just a giveaway. So we got done, and he said, well, I still, I disagree with you. I said, no problem. Watch. No problem. Me and you, good. I told you what I know to be true out of God's Word, and I'm still growing. How many of y'all grown up, changed, come enlightened? I'm, I, I don't know, I'm not God's total sum of wisdom. I know that. I'm just telling you what I believe. And I said, can I ask you something on your way out? He said, sure. And we'll use Outback, plug number two. I said, if you just walked into Outback and saw me sitting there with Kelly, and I had a draft beer on my table, would you lose respect for me? And the guy that just stood me down for 30 minutes goes, yeah. All right, have a good day. You know he walked out like, I don't know how he does that. I just, I just, I don't. Now, I will tell you this. Nowhere in the Bible does it say the person that drinks occasionally or drinks is barred from heaven. But it says no drunkard will enter the kingdom of heaven. And my thing is, who gets to define what drunkard is? I don't want to be close. If he says no white man's going to enter the kingdom of heaven, I'm getting a tanning bed. You see what I'm saying? <laughs> I'm, I'm a little... Stacy, a little spray on. One of them, them spray. <laughs> okay. Whew. Lighten it up. Will y'all give me time to just do two more quick ones here? God made me this way. People, you have said it. Some of you have said it. We have heard it. And this is what I would tell them. Or they would say, I've, ha- I've had these conversations. I can quote. You don't understand. God made me this way. And I said, no, he didn't. I have been this way every day of my life. I said, that I believe. There's a fine line, and it sounds like different things, but it's, just hear me out. Well, you just said God didn't make me that way. That's right. But I told you I've been that way since I was born. Exactly. Because when you were born, sin entered the world by one man, Adam. Adam was created by God. Everyone else was born. Adam was made in God's image. But when he made children with Eve, they had that sinful nature passed on. And Ben, if you'd come, please. They had that passed on. So this person that says, I was born this way. When someone says that, or God made me this way, that puts the sin on him. But to say I've been this way all my life, I believe you. The Bible says that we... We, look around, everybody you see in here is drawn away by their own lust. You have your own lust, a specific leaning, a specific one. Some of us love money. Some of us love, uh, you know, we have to be careful with what we hear. Some of us have problems with unforgiveness. There's self Righteousness and pride and all of these things. And, and humility, I'm, I'm telling you mine. Mine was always lust. I remember as a six-year-old boy, before there was anything in grocery stores. I mean, now what's out front, you know, Sports Illustrated covers and the like. But there was a picture of a, a black and white magazine at Green Acres Discount Drugstore behind Windsor Drive. And it had a lady with her cleavage showing. And I remember at six being aroused. I remember. That's my own lust. And as long as I can remember, since I was a baby, that was my lust. And someone else that would never have a problem there might have a problem being racist or And you need to understand that the sin expression, it's the world crying out saying, don't just throw me away, I was born this way. You're supposed to get in and go, we were all born into sin. (laughs) My expression's different than yours. But our sin has separated us from God and for these acts, these expressions, it's the evidence that we're severed from Him. 
We're dead in our trespasses and sins. I am a spirit. I have a soul. I live in a body. My spirit, which communes with God, is dead. And my soul, when I hear the preached word, understands that I'm separated from God. And it cries out for mercy. And God brings my spirit back to life through the gift of grace. But why would I call on someone that I don't feel I'm out of fellowship with? Sins are the evidence of a sin nature. So don't beat the person up because their expression might be different than yours. Give them the hope by entering into the sinfulness and say, me too. Me too. And when I tell my story to them, I said, you're with a guy? It's an abomination. I'm with a girl that's not my wife. God calls it unclean. We're both judged. You see, do you see the difference? But if there is no truth, how do they know? How do they know that the beaten, the beaten Savior, the whipped, the bruised, the maligned Savior paid for my sins and for the church? They shall call His name Jesus because He'll save you from your sins. Save free. I can go back and do those things if I wanted to. Just can't enjoy them. You're ruined, by the way. If you're born again, your nature's the same. Our own lust. So how should we live? Clearly, let there be no confusion where you stand. But don't ever let it be named once among you by unbelievers that you are unkind or arrogant or pride-filled. Honest, true, toe the line and let them know. But God loves you and I love you and I ain't better than you. But I'm as guilty as you are. And I found forgiveness for my sins. And I love telling my story. I love talking to my brother. I love telling my story to people because they just think, you know, you came out of the womb and you're holding the Bible and you had a, you're a preacher, you know. I'm like, no. May I tell you one quick thing? And I don't know why I'm supposed to share this. I think I have once before. Maybe there's someone here that's just struggling with shame or really struggling with how I presented that about homosexuality. Ain't a worse sinner in this room than me. That's not, that's not a lie. It's not a worse sinner in this room than me. I remember going into my mama's office when I was at college. And I'm sorry, I hope this doesn't embarrass her, but this is a long time ago. I was dressed for a pimps and whores party. I devalued young girls as nothing more than something that would bring me pleasure. My mind was darkened. My conscience was darkened. Well, they're willing, but, you know, the distortion and all that. And then when I get saved, I realize that I was not just sinning against God. I was sinning against other people. And the way to reach them now is not to stop telling my story, but to tell it. And to talk of the grace that's greater than our failures and sins. And tell you I'm not that guy anymore. Don't do that anymore. Who the sun sets free is free indeed. Do you still lust? Yes. You're going you're gonna to struggle in the flesh when you're saved. If you were ugly before you got saved, you're going to be ugly after you got saved. Does your lust just evaporate and now you're holy? Oh, no, 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 no. Now, and I promise I'm finishing real quick, but this is just going to help someone. How many of you came to the point when you, when you first got saved, you went, oh, I got to stop partying and I got to stop getting high and sleeping. That, you thought that was it. Then you stopped those things and then you saw your soul and you went, oh my God, I am wretched. We can't let them die on our watch. We have to speak the truth in love and separate but let them know, I'm right here. 
I'm right here. I can't celebrate you, but I sure love you. Anything that would hurt you, I can't dance with. I love you. I love you. Jesus, friend of sinners, friend of sinners, but you never found him in the saloons. You never found him partying. You never found him doing the things. He didn't visit the temple prostitutes. He, set, he, he, he graced them. He didn't visit them. How should you live? Holy. Separate from the world and unto God. Would you bow your heads with me this morning? Sing that. Sing that. Grace, grace. God. Grace that will pardon and cleanse within grace, grace, God's grace. Y'all stand with us. Aren't you glad you're forgiven today? Grace, grace, God's grace, grace that will pardon and cleanse within. Grace, grace, God. So being the ambassadors of Jesus Christ, walk as he would walk, tell the truth as he would tell the truth, defend the innocent, stand for righteousness, be a friend to sinners, considering yourself, but let no one wonder which side you're on. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Have a wonderful Lord's Day. God bless you.